So Father Anthony, as you can see, I'm holding a Starbucks cup at the moment. You are. Right? I am. Does I am. it say Merry Christmas on it? Or does it? Probably not. Oh, wow. Probably some sort of holiday cup. It doesn't actually say anything. Oh, wait. It says, wishing you coffee and joy. Wow. I mean, like, comfort and joy is also kind of, a, well, I guess, no, the, the tidings of comfort and joy. Well, coffee and joy and comfort and joy, it's basically saving, saying the same thing this to is, me. This is fair. This is fair. This is fair. So this is just a drip coffee. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, because I need my, give me as much caffeine as possible, because my, my Nespresso broke. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. It's very sad. And... So I got a new machine coming. It actually got a good deal on it. So I was like, if you bought like 50 new pods, which I'm going to use, no problem. They'll give you a machine for like 100 bucks. And I'm like, well, that's perfect. That's actually really reasonable. So, yeah. And then they gave you 25 bucks off the coffee too. So it was like 140 bucks for a machine and 50 pods, which is great. Nespresso, this is my one little treat in life, is my Nespresso machine. Yes. It, it's, it's great because and it's, this is Nespresso, folks, not Espresso, Nespresso with the N. It's 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 great when you're cooking for, or not cooking when you're making coffee for one. Um, it's a it's a and the coffee is so good. <laughs> but uh, my machine's on its way. It's on its way. I'm sorry, one. It's going to take a sip here. A little sip. Mm. And uh, my new machine's on its way. I'm hoping it gets here for Thursday. Things are a little delayed over here because people may or may not know, but we had like a massive rainstorm hit. The West Coast, Vancouver Island, BC, last week, or I guess it'll be two weeks ago by the time this one comes out. But you know, a bit ago, like literally flooding, which is this. We've never really had stuff like this before in BC. It's been like it was really it was like a we got like a month's worth of rain in two days, Oof. and it rains a lot here already in the winter. So like we usually get in November, we got in two days rather than over 30 days. That's a lot of rain. And it's, I mean, it's been, and so it's actually caused supply chain issues. I went to McDonald's the other day. They have no fries. That's insane. It's so insane. It's so weird. It is like, I'm like, it actually shows you like how dependent we are on supply chains. I'm like, wow, this is really weird. Um, so yeah, we had some flooding. Thankfully, most people are okay. I think there's only there's only been four deaths, which is pretty good, all things considered. But like, uh, both main highways that get into the province of BC had mudslides. Parts of the road broke off because of the of the torrential downpours that made the the rivers overflow, thus making the ground shift. And it actually hit on the Monday. We are going into our retreat where actually some of the priests of our diocese weren't actually able to get up because the road, we only have one main highway up on the island and the road from from Victoria to get to the up was actually flooded just north of Victoria. They couldn't get up. So they had, we had to zoom them in for the sessions because the road was closed for three days until they could clear it out. That's nuts. Isn't, isn't it? Why wouldn't you, why, why didn't they build a canoe? Um, because don't they care about priestly fraternity enough to build a canoe? But then, how are you going to get up after the canoe? Well, I mean, then you. you... And well, listen, but here's the thing: we actually do have ferries. Like, there is actually a ferry from Sydney to Mill Bay, and uh, but that was it was like an eight-hour wait to get your car on 
like that's how bad it was oh, because everyone was doing that yeah like it was just it was it was all nuts it was just nuts so i was like it was insane and then coming back the highway from parksville where we had the retreat and i'll talk about that in a second but where we had the retreat coming back to nanaimo usually it's about a half hour drive for me well on the thursday a sinkhole developed in the highway on the road there because the ground underneath the road shifted and it took me three hours to get home because we had to be rerouted through this little town which is like one way each way mm-hmm. 13 kilometers so that's almost 10 miles yeah of cars So did you did you listen to any fun podcasts? Did you did you? I made a lot of phone calls. Yeah. I did a lot of phone call work <laughs> while I was doing this. Actually, and apparently, because like all these ambulances come through, what's going on? I found out someone had a baby <laughs> in the middle of this because <laughs> they couldn't get to the hospital. <laughs> Happy birthday! You got born on a highway. Um, um, I listened to some pillar. You know, I would have listened to ours if it came out last week. I'm just saying. Wait, wait. <laughs> um, and listen to I'm I'm listening to Die of a Country Priest right now, so I listen to a lot of that mm-hmm. actually. Um, but yeah, so and then yeah, we had a so yeah, that's kind of like have you ever experienced flooding like that before? Anything like that? Uh, not personally, that? no. It's I, I've never had any trouble. I mean, we've had snow stuff before. I've had to deal with that and getting stuck in traffic because of snow, yeah. but not because of flooding. Um. It's pretty great a, in Pittsburgh, but it's not like yeah, yeah, no. Well, you're not also near ocean. That's true. We got rivers, but right? ocean, not an ocean. And this is part of it, right? Yeah. And so, and snow, yeah. So we, uh, it's interesting actually. This year, I was like thinking about. It, I was like, so I had we had this. We, they call it uh, what was it? A uh, I forget what it's called right now. But anyways, um, I had this. I had the hurricane when I was in Boston. And then the second time I was in Boston this year, I had the nor'easter. Oh right, yeah. So I'm like, I've just been going through all sort of all sorts of. The only thing I haven't really been like the hurricane was okay, but like I haven't been through like an intense hurricane. Yeah. So I'm like, this is all really weird. But um, two quick other things before I introduce the podcast. One was we had Bishop Scott McCaig, who is the ordinary for the military ordinariate in Canada, and he. Uh, he gave the retreat, and it was great. It was great to meet him. He's a he's on Twitter, uh, so look him up. Follow him on Twitter, Bishop Scott McKay. Uh, he did a great job. Really great bishop. Um, it was really interesting. Like just as a personal thing, I kind of noticed is he's a priest of the kind of John Paul II generation, and so that extra that that shows itself, I think, in his episcopacy in certain ways, mm. which was really interesting. That is, I think, we're going to see in the future with more and more bishops as those early JP two priests, if you will, start becoming bishops and stuff like that. Um, but he also gave this, uh, one day I'll talk about this maybe on a podcast. He gave this great talk about how the three roles of governance in the priest or the three roles of things a priest uh, to preach, teach, sanctify, and govern. He says, you know, for a long time in the church, our emphasis was preach and teach. He goes, now our emphasis needs to be governance. And I was like, what? Interesting. He goes, because the whole role of governance is around charisms. Hmm. That you are there to govern and order people's charisms for the good of the church and the church's body. I was like, I like this. This is really good. It kind of goes with that that episode we did on, on charisms and stuff. And finally, just a bunch of shout out. I did a CCO retreat um, two weekends ago now. 
And uh, so shout out to all those from there who listen to the podcast. Great time. And uh, yeah, so that's my life. Still waiting for my coffee machine. Going to have to drink okay drip coffee from Starbucks for a bit. And then hope hopefully I can get fries at McDonald's again here soon. Because that's really the reason to go to McDonald's. Yeah. Like, you don't go for anything else. You get the other stuff. The other stuff's the sides. Yes. You want the fresh, hot, crispy McDonald's fries. True. Plus, their Coke is actually really good. It is, though. Like, that that, that balance of the... Ah, it's just... They get the right syrup balance with it. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of monologued with all that. So, like, welcome to Claire Speaking. <laughs> there we I'm go. Father, <laughs> I, I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. Sorry, I'm a little <laughs> bit out of it. I'm a little bit out of it. Um, so... I just got back um, from a retreat. I think part of the reason why we our episode didn't get released, um, it was a uh, a retreat that's been going on in our diocese for about twenty years now, and uh, basically a bunch of youth ministers got together to put on this retreat for their youth groups instead of like mm-hmm. each person having to do their own fall retreat. It's a big fall retreat, and I'm part of the uh, team that's that's helping set this thing up. And uh, so we had that the previous week, and uh, Nick, uh, producer Nick, was the MC and very involved in that. Um, and so for the whole weekend, there were 175 teenagers, and we were running around doing stuff. And so I still have not recovered from it because I am an old man. As a matter of fact, right. I this morning I got up for the seven o'clock mass, uh, and then immediately took a nap. And then woke up five minutes wow. ago and started recording with you. So I oh, so you're still waking up. That's why you. That's why you look like you just woke up. Yes, you yes. I, I slammed a double <laughs> shot of good coffee, and here I am. But one of the fun things I got to do was I gave the talk at the end of the retreat. It was the, you know the talk about hey, you're going back into the real world now. Um, but you know, I realized I haven't given a talk in forever, and it was so much fun. Harrison. And you're like, wait, what is what is the real world now? <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. I told them it's terrible. I told the high schoolers that the real world is terrible. The high school is the worst time in your life, not the best time in yep. your life. Um, but also... And the world's a lot bigger yeah. than your high school. Yeah. And, but I told them, but Jesus loves them and they can still go to mass and stuff. And it was great. So, but the thing is, uh, first time I gave a talk in a long time. And talks and homilies, are, they're mm. very different. Very, very different. They are. And so yep. I just had a lot of fun with this. I just cut loose. I told all the jokes I wanted to tell. Nice. I told all the stories I wanted to tell. It was so much fun. Um, so that was that was a great nice. experience, and uh, it was awesome. So the big, you know, climax of the retreat is this two hour two hour adoration thing that we do Saturday night, and we had like sixteen priests to hear confessions. They had the whole praise and worship dealio. How many kids are at this retreat? About, about one seventy five. Okay, uh, which was. We were pretty happy with that number after the pandemic, because yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In the past, I'm just gonna say though, yeah. just just quickly, okay. Yeah. You had 175 kids and like 16 priests. Yeah. On my retreat, I went on. I was one priest and 50 university students. So I'm not making this a competition, but what I'm trying to propose is, what if I am? Oh, I'm okay with you winning. It was easy. It wasn't that like <laughs> I heard like 10 <laughs> confessions. It was like super easy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, we had, uh, one of the priests brought this monstrance, you know, the big host, 
Um, like the one that's like a disc, it breaks into like twenty four yeah. different pieces. Yeah. It was a ho it was a mantra mm-hmm. that held one of those hosts. Yeah. So yeah. it was yeah. big Jesus. <laughs> And it's a big monster. It's a big monster. <laughs> big Jesus. You didn't. Hey, you didn't need to do arm day. I really didn't. So I did this thing <laughs> where um, it was it was heavy, uh, and it was it would have been fine, but normally in the past, uh, at one point in time, we kind of go around the room with the monstrance and just like just bless everything. Yeah. And after yeah. like the third blessing I gave, I'm like, I'm going to die. My arms are going to fall <laughs> off. Oh no! And after, so what you're saying is you needed an errand to hold your arms. Up. I really did. <laughs> like it was funny after because we did like a little procession and when yeah. it was all done like my foot hurt my back hurt <laughs> my shoulders hurt I'm like again you're an old man I'm now I'm old now this is welcome to your 30s <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was delightful and it was just so encouraging to see that you know God is still in control he's still yep. setting people free you know it, the funny thing was <clears throat> I'll be honest uh, the confessions were both amazing and bad uh, hmm. Bad in the very shallow sense that a lot of the kids had no idea what they were doing, right? They didn't know any right. of the words, right. but that didn't matter yeah. because they right. really wanted to get closer to Jesus. And it was yep. one of the more beautiful experiences of confession I've had in a long time. Oh, nice. So just amazing. Nice. Just amazing. Um, hmm. Actually, yeah. I mean, I can't obviously share details, but actually I had a really beautiful encounter on Sunday um, with all that mm. kind of thing too. Yeah, it's like, it's amazing how... In the end, like this is what priesthood exists for—is these things, yeah, right. And everything else, like all the junk you have to deal with, and all the stresses and fights, it really actually is all ordered towards being able to do the sacraments. Yeah, it's true. Like it's even like there were a lot of good speakers, a lot of good workshops. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm getting in emails uh, from our survey from the retreat, and what all the get like 95% of the kids are saying is what made it for them was adoration. Like mm-hmm. all we were doing was providing an environment so that they had the best chance available to be open to God's graces. And they were, and it was amazing. And it was all Jesus. Mm-hmm. It really was. Um, yep. And so yeah, it, it really delightful. is. It's like, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, just quickly, actually, I actually want to share, I, I just, um, it's kind of tangential sort of, but I want to share it because I'm leading and I can do what I want. You can do what you want. Right? I'm, I'm not stopping you. I'm not going to tell you That's what to great. do. Sunday was a little stressful. I'm still trying to get things in order in our office, but it was like one of those like really priest priest days. I got so I got to the church at like 7:30. Did my holy hour. Did some office work for a bit. Had mass. It was also really nice actually coming back. It's like this is the first weekend back in the parish since I've even though I've been back for a bit. It's my first weekend actually there. And um, it was actually nice to hear from people. Oh, we missed you. It's like, oh, this is nice to hear. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's weird. It was weird. It was like, it was like really affirming. And I don't think people really realized how affirming it actually was. Sure. Um, but then uh, I get home, have a quick lunch, get back. And as I get back to the church to get ready for four baptisms, I, I saw that I had a message from the morning of someone who was dying. Hmm. Like, and so I went, I, I rushed off to the hospital and, um, I went to see the guy and it was just one of those beautiful reconciling someone to God after like 15, 20 years. Yeah. And, and you could see it on their face, how much they've desired this moment Mm -hmm. and just, you know, circumstances of life kind of got in the way. But now that death is near, it's not like that. Oh, I'm going to go to Jesus at the last second. It's the, I've been trying to get to this moment for a long time Mm. moment and I'm so happy I'm here and to bring them communion and to give the apostolic part. It was just like, and it wasn't long. It was like 20 minutes. Yeah. 
I was like, man, that's this is why I'm a priest. Exactly. <laughs> this is it right here, right? And I went back, did a bit more office work, and then I did a blessing for, for a couple who I did a sanatio for. So sanatio is when we say, yeah, you got married on the day you gave your vows, even though you lacked form. Um, the church recognizes the validity of your vows, essentially, from the day you gave them. Um, so it's not a convalidation. Where you, and so they wanted a little blessing. And then they invite me out for dinner afterwards. It was just delightful, like just hanging out, having a beer. Like, I don't know. It was like, it was just a great day to be a priest, despite all the stresses of it all. It kind of like your weekend, you know? It's yeah. just like these little things. It's like, this is what you exist for. Absolutely. Amen. We also exist for tweets. Do we? <laughs> we do. So get out your Twitter and get in there for the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. We talk about The Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. In this case, two tweets I personally found interesting. And so I'm going to choose one, and Anthony can just do the other. Okay. Or I can lead both or whatever. Um, one's a little more theological. I, I screenshotted them for you. I see. So, okay, that, you yes. could, so that you could see it since we've re-added uh, you to the, to the DM there. So... Okay. Well, I can also just leave both, whatever you want. Um, I see them. Okay. So the first one I'm going to do is this is from John Milbank, and he's quoting from Henri de Lubac. You know, great, great dude. Christianity is not a layer of varnish applied to the surface of man. It is the heart of his heart and the soul of his soul, such that it would be easier for him to give up being a man than to give up being a Christian. And it's a simple quote in some ways. It's just saying, like, we are created to be in Christ. Our, you know, it's making that argument that we are created for a supernatural destiny. That This is what God has planted in our heart here. But I just love this. Like, it's saying that being Christian is not just, like, just doing certain things. It's like having this veneer, which by, if I do X, Y, and Z... I'm good in God's sight. I've got my security and I'm good, right? It's saying, no, no, no. Being Christian is to be human in its fullest sense. This is what I'm created for. And so to live my life as a Christian is the most important thing I can do. It's, it should be everything I desire. It should be everything I go in towards such that it's actually easier to be less to, to be not human than it is to be not Christian because to be human is to be Christian is what he's saying that the fulfillment of our nature is in Christ and so that's all I wanted to say but I just loved it I was like this is a great quote mm -hmm. yeah it's making me think of uh, there's some I forget what's called or where I heard it it's some principle that like once you've been touched by Jesus Christ even if you kind of fall away from the church or fall away from your faith, uh, Christ always kind of haunts your life. He's always there. 
Um, and I, I find that to be very true. Once you come into contact with the Lord in some sort of authentic way, it's not something you can ever really completely let go of. It's always there. And it's not, it's not like a vindictive thing. It's just because our hearts have been so close to the good that they were made for mm-hmm. that they can't help but never forget that and always desire it on yep. some level, you know? So, yeah, great. Cool. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this tweet. Uh, absolutely. How astonishing even a 10-minute visit to the Blessed Sacrament can soften my very, very hardened heart. And this is from Brother Teresa. Oh, is it? Okay, from Brother Teresa. Cool. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it, I mean, this it makes me, like, I think sometimes people feel like if they're going to make a, a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, they have to be there for an hour or they have to be there for 45 minutes. But I always encourage people, like, if you have 10, 15, 20 minutes uh, to visit the Blessed Sacrament, that's good. It's not like it just just even touching base with the Lord on that you know sacramental level uh, is something that He delights in. Um, that uh, He, you don't have to do. Like we're privileged that if we're on, we, we can have holy hours every day. You know that's just part of our lives as priests. Um, if we work at it, not everyone can do that because they're right. You know life, but. Uh, the Lord blesses those little visits as well. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. It's good. Uh, yeah. Just like when sometimes you can't spend a whole lot of time with your friends, but you can at least you know, make an appearance, say hello. Um, it's the same kind of deal with the Blessed Sacrament. And yeah, um, the Lord doesn't need a lot of time. He can do whatever he wants. And uh, little visits are good. Yeah. So there's two, th- two things with this. One is just actually I've been reading um, Blessed James Alberioni for spiritual reading right now of course, and uh, uh, he talks about the visit a lot. And it's just like, yeah, this place where you just give your heart and time and you speak your heart to Jesus and you say, I make my heart like yours. And just doing something like 10 minutes like that. Yeah. And just because, it remi- again, it, remi- it actually speaks to our first tweet there. It reminds us of who we are, of what we're created to be and what we're created for. The other thing I loved about it is just like, it's amazing. This is how grace works. And it's something I've been reflecting on more le- lately. Like I try to go to confession you know, every two or three weeks, but just for a variety of reasons, actually was a bit, since I had been to confession, it would have been like six or seven weeks. Mm-hmm. And you feel that after a while, actually, I yeah. find. And and so I went to confession on my retreat and uh, I came out and I was like, yeah. And it's just like, these little things start to heal themselves. And it's really beautiful because this is the thing. Grace actually affects everything, including one's affect, right? Your affectivity, like it's something felt too. Not always, mm-hmm. right? But it, but it's felt not in this like overwhelming sense. It's actually felt in a very subtle sense. Yeah. There's a shift in attitude. There's a shift in perspective. And you start to see, wait, grace is actually something experienced. So these visits to the blessed, or if you can't get to the blessed sacrament, go to the scriptures, which is Christ speaking to us in a real powerful way. Um, that's a very real encounter with him. When you're with at the sacraments, all these things... Their encounters, their experiences that affect the whole person. And so they, they're felt, but not felt. And, you know, you do have those over. I think so often we go, we look for grace to affect us in this. Oh my gosh, I was like drenched in grace. Yeah. And, and, well, actually you were, but, <laughs> but you're so in it that it's hard to see it for its reality sometimes. 
it's like the air you breathe. It's just there, but it's actually often in this more subtle way mm -hmm. because we're fallen that we start to see how grace works. And so it's about paying attention to these little shifts in attitude after you encounter the blessed sacrament, Jesus and the blessed sacrament or the sacraments or the scriptures or even the poor, whatever it is, pay attention to these little shifts in the heart. And that's where, that's where Christ is speaking and is experienced. And we need to hold on to those more and we need to pay attention to those more. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was a great little tweet and I thought it was a nice thing to reflect on. Good. Cool. Oh, quick question before we go into the next thing. Uh -huh. Is it, I guess, um, lots of ravioli on Thursday for you? Oh, absolutely. For Thanksgiving. That's the, yeah, that's the plan. That's right. Yes, it's, it's, it's American mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. That's right. We'll enjoy that. I will. We'll also enjoy some presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best part. Yes. yes. Quite. Yes. All right. So I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone, as this is also going to be kind of my my talk or reflection for our young adults group tonight. Because nice. a few weeks, about a month ago, I did faith. And I was like, do what? Let's do let's do the theological virtues. So today I'm going to do hope, mm -hmm. and then actually for my next topic, I'm going to do love because again, I can kill two birds with one stone. Nice. And uh, but I think I think the theological virtues are important in general. I think okay, I I'm going to try and not cite him too much today, but of course, Father Ratzinger, yes, Father Ratzinger, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, he. I mean, really, so he, he did Deus Caritas as Space Salvi, which I'm, I'm not signing either of these today. And then he, um, Lumen Fide was essentially written by him, mm -hmm. and it was just completed by Francis. Yeah. And you can tell the style between Lumen Fide and the rest of Francis' stuff is very different, yes. you know? Um, and uh, so he he really saw the importance of of the the theological virtues. And... He actually gave, I've been reading this for some spiritual reading as well. Oops. So you can see it. Mm. There you go. The yes of Jesus Christ. Exercises in faith, hope, and love. Nice. Um, it was a spiritual exercises he gave for uh, communion liberation. And it's really good. And I'm, but I'm not going to cite it too much, I promise. I'm actually not going to cite it at all. It's just, but it's inspiring me because I think the theological virtues are really important. So like, I think just before we can get, in, get into that, like what is a theological virtue? I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to put your 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 foggy brain onto the spot. Oh, no. What's a theological virtue? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, okay. So uh, let's contrast it with the uh, cardinal virtues. Um, are these habits of being that bring us to the good and can be cultivated um, in natural ways through practice and that sort of thing. Theological virtues are first and foremost gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to us in baptism. Uh, and then also can be exercised uh, that uh, bring us to the uh, revelatory good of the Holy Trinity. Yeah. And so they're infused, right? That's yes. a, like, this is the thing. They're theological because they are gifts first. They're not something you earned. Or you, they're something you habituate in. Yeah. But it's, it's God's initiative first. Right. This is the key. It's God's initiative first that you get this through baptism. And faith is the, is the kind of doorway for all of it. Because faith 
is the sharing in Jesus's vision of reality. Mm-hmm. It's sharing in his vision of the Father because Jesus's whole being, his whole existence is prayer in front of the Father, right? So this, this, this stance of Jesus is the stance of the Christian, which we're immersed into. And by being immersed into Jesus through baptism, we're given faith, which is his way of seeing. We're given hope, which is the certitude of the Father's love and presence. And we're given love, which is a share in the love of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each of the theological virtues are sharing in Jesus's Trinitarian life, Mm. really, um, of a kind of... a seeing, a being, and a living, if you will. And so hope is a part of this. And hope is, I think, really important. So I just want to kind of do a little catechesis on hope in all of this. I, I'm not going to, there's more I want to say, but let's just, uh, let's just kind of get into it. Mm-hmm. So if you ask the question, what is hope? I think this is a good place to start. And it's always important to start with the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, kind of a good place, kind of a good place to go. And so I was looking it up. I went to the Bible Gateway and just put in the word hope to see where does it show up in Scripture. And it was actually really interesting to see the breakdown of it. It was mostly in the Old Testament, actually. Well, I mean, the Old Testament's larger, I guess. Yeah. There's like 100, there's 198 references to hope in the Old Testament, and there's 119 in the New. And when you look at the Old, it tends to look towards mostly God's relationship with Israel, right. that they have a hope in God, that God, ha- that God has done something in their life that has given them a certainty and a belief that God's going to fulfill something in the future. And this is how we often pray, right? Um, if you listen to the prayers at Mass often, it's usually like, God, just as you did this in this time, like especially when you're like the lives of saints, right? Yeah. Just as you did this in this person, so now do this in us, Yeah. right? We've seen the proof of God's action, and so we know that he can do this again, right? This becomes a kind of training in hope. But hope is not fulfilled in Israel, right? And so there's actually, and there's, there's kind of two forms of hope spoken of in the New Testament. And this, this first form is kind of spoken as well in the Old Testament, but um, the first one is just hopes. I call them like, there's a difference between hopes and hope, mm. okay? Hopes are world are, are of this world right so for example in luke six thirty four, if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive return like that you, you've lent your money to someone you're hoping that they'll receive it back well okay great they give it back to you your hope is fulfilled yeah right but that's it that's that that's done but this is where it gets interesting in the new testament is it is by hope that we are saved mm-hmm and the main reference to hope, especially, this is really cool when I was looking this up, I just never even knew this before, was in the Acts of the Apostles, hope is intimately tied to the resurrection of the body. Mm. Right? So you see a difference. So, you, okay, so you have worldly hopes. I have, I want, I hope for this, and it happens. But then there's an enduring hope, hope itself in the resurrection of the body. So we have what we call like that more immediate hope. But then you have the enduring, lasting, and permanent hope, which is in Christ. So there's anything, I don't know, anything you want to say about any of that? Or is there anything you want to add before I go forward? Yeah, it's, it's um, the resurrection is kind of the a final proof of 
what Christ did on the cross. It's the mm -hmm. culmination of redemption that is begun uh, in baptism. But like the, the whole, the final reversal of, not just reversal, but yeah, the final reversal of the fall uh, from the old Adam and the death of our bodies and the disconnect from God will be finally completed when we die no more and are mm -hmm. perfectly ordered towards God. So like that's right. like the that's the thing is the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So Jesus's resurrection is kind of everything. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Kind of the reason why there is Christianity. Breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news, you know. But there's also I think it's important to recognize because we used um in terms of like those worldly hopes or, or kind of hopes in this life and then eternal hope. Yeah. There is a common denominator, right? It's just like you can use these words in these two senses because there's a common sense to both of them, even though there's a difference. Mm -hmm. In both, you see that there's a certainty that isn't fulfilled. Yeah. Right? This is, I think, the key to hope, right? St. Paul talks about this, right? It's hoping in those things you haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. um, if hope is seen, then it's not hope. Right. Right? So when Jesus, when Jesus talks about uh, having the hope to be paid back to those whom you lend, why are you lending to someone? Because based on certain criteria, you have a reasonable certainty based on previous experience, this person's going to pay you back. Mm -hmm. This is where it gets interesting for me though, too. And I think, and I, cause I want to talk about like the pro, like how we misinterpret hope sometimes before we kind of get into what is Christian hope mm -hmm. is that's where I think the rubber hits the road for a lot of people. We, 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 cause sometimes we hope and it's not fulfilled. Yeah. Right. I, I gave you a hundred bucks, Anthony, and you didn't give it back to me. No. And you'll never get it back. And I'll never get it back. Suddenly I'm hurt. Yes. <laughs> right. Because hope implies trust. Mm -hmm. You can't have hope without trust. Right. Right. And I think, so this is why people have a hard time hoping because we base it on our experience of worldly hopes that sometimes do go unfulfilled. And it also, it also gets to this kind of twisting of it, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but this is the thing. I think it's, it's gotta, it's gotta be something that is to happen in the future, right? So you're, there's something that's going to come that isn't there yet. It, it's, um, it has a future element and it has a present element. It's even got a past element. It's got the three senses of time altogether mm -hmm. built into it. You're basing on a previous experience that it gives you a certainty today to make a choice for the future. Mm -hmm. Okay. And because, but what, again, we get burned. So we have a hard time actually hoping. Mm -hmm. But, and this is the other problem, right? Before we get into what hope qua hope is, is in earthly hopes, everything passes away. You lend me a hundred bucks. I pay you back. Your hope's fulfilled. Yeah. But in the end, all that doesn't matter. Right. If there's no eternity, literally that is meaning. This is all meaningless. Mm -hmm. Right. And so why does it, why is it even worth having earthly hopes? Oh, hmm. Was that rhetorical or a real question? I'm well, you, the way you reacted, I'm like, go, go nuts. Yeah. Go um, nuts. um, why is it, why do we worth even having have worldly? Yeah. Worldly hopes. 
Yeah, it, it's making okay. Just just thinking, it's making me think that um, they they point to a greater hope, like all these little worldly hopes that we have. We uh-huh. have them because we do expect things to be better in the future somehow. <laughs> Otherwise, right. we would give up. Otherwise, we wouldn't lend money or <laughs> I could right. be going back to my example. But there would be part of the reason why we keep on living is because there's some kind of hope. Right. We're looking to something in the future. Yeah. Right. So it speaks to something innate in us. This is why hope is so important. It speaks to something innate in us, actually. It speaks to our desire. It speaks to our desire for God. But if there is no God, if there is nothing eternal, there is no future. Yeah. Again, all this actually becomes meaningless. And this is where, before we kind of get into what is hope, so we, we need something to guarantee the passing hopes. They have to have something enduring to them to make them worthwhile. And that's where hope as a Christian concept comes in. But before we do that, this is where I think it's important to address what the twisting of hope. Mm. So how do you, do you, I don't know if you've had experiences of this or not. Like, I mean, I've had them, but because I hear it a lot. And I, every time I hear people use the word hope, I find it's often done in a twisted way. Like sometimes in the kind of secular sense, it gets, it's ripped, it's been ripped away from Christ. Um, and so it gets kind of immanentized or secularized. But even in the Christian community, I find we've lost what the sense of hope means. So I don't know if you've, do you, have you had any experiences around this before? Uh, Maybe you haven't thought about it this way, but I don't know. Uh, I might have, but I, I'm trying to figure out what exactly okay. you're referring to. I'm thinking about the way people often use the word hope is they confuse it with wishful thinking. Okay. Okay. I hope I get this job. Right. I hope I win the lottery. I hope I get married one day. Mm-hmm. Now, these aren't bad things. But is that actually hope? Let's use, you know, the other ones maybe aren't a bit easier to, to twist around a bit, but the, the lottery one, right? Yeah. What is the reasonable expectation that a hope will be fulfilled there? Is there one? I mean, statistically, no. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's not really reasonable to think that. And so it's actually not hope. It's wishful thinking. Mm. I want something to happen that I actually have no basis to place my trust in yet. Mm-hmm. But we do it, right? So it's funny. We've actually, I think we've actually given hope over to wishful thinking, right? I desperately need this to happen for my life to be better. And so even though I, I have no reason to give into this, or even though I have no reason to say that this is the what I'm going to, so what am I going to do? I'm going to buy lottery tickets all the time. Because if I win the lottery, my life's going to be better. If I do this, my life will be better. If I get this, my life will be better. But it's not based on a past experience that guarantees this. So that's like kind of in the worldly hopes area. But I think we do this. So like, you know, people have asked me, what's, what are your hopes for the new year? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you know, what, what kind of things are you hoping happens? I'm like, so you mean wishful thinking? Mm. You mean wishes? Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, they're the same thing, right? I'm like, no, actually, they're not. Does that make sense? Yeah. And there's also a, it's also uh, kind of penning in a limiting of the things that we quote unquote hope for. 
there's yeah. this idea that like I know exactly what I need to be fulfilled unless this exact thing happens. Um, it's the fact that like we don't, our desires are so often misguided. Uh, like, you know, okay, so the, the, the hope to win the lottery, I mean, there, yeah. the deeper desire there is for security, for relief. Bingo, bingo, bingo. Um, yep. But the, we feel like the only way that we can have those things is if we win the lottery. And also translate into spiritual things. So, um, I, you know, the only way I'll be close to God is if I'm called to this vocation or if this thing happens to me in prayer or if uh, this thing happens in the parish. It's a limiting uh, and a twisting of the, or a misunderstanding of the deeper desires that God himself has placed in our hearts. It's a misinterpretation of them. And so we yeah. don't hope in the right things. Exactly. And so and I, so there's two things there that I, I'm really happy you said. Because when we, when we kind of reduce hope to just wishful thinking, we're actually reducing our desire. Mm -hmm. It's a reduction of desire. It's, 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 it's boxing in something that's infinite. Yeah. <laughs> and that's frustrating. And we keep on wondering, why can't I break out of this? I'm like, well, cause you've actually made an idol, right? Anything, what's an idol? It's making what is actually properly God into something that's actually creaturely. Yeah. Right. When he, again, using the same analogy of winning a lottery, winning a lottery, if this is everything that will make my life better, mm -hmm. it's like, actually, no, there's only one thing that makes life better. It's yeah. God. Mm -hmm. Right. And your that desire for a better life is a good thing, but you've reduced it to this very worldly sense. And this is the other thing. And that's, this, I'm really happy you said that because I forgot about it and mm. I'm, you reminded me because actually, okay, this is the one place I'll re, we'll cite Ratzinger here. There you he go. talks about this notion of security and hope mm -hmm. that we've actually ceased hoping and we just want security. Mm. I just want a good life. I just want to be able to provide for my family. I just want, but the security is again, only a security in this world. Yeah. Right. Not recognizing that there's only, there's, because when you face death, when death comes at you, yeah, all that stuff doesn't matter. You bring none of it with you, mm -hmm. and none of it remains with you. And there's nothing you can do about it later on after you die. So if that's the case, then so yeah, we we kind of our real security is only that there's something enduring in all all that is passing. That is the only place that real security can be found. And so the problem also in all of this is that also that kind of grander notion of hope qua hope has been very reduced in so secularism, not intentionally, but just has naturally ripped the Christian concept of hope away. Mm -hmm. And it's been reduced to kind of political ideology. If I vote for this politician, this will happen. All right. It never does. Mm -hmm. And again, we're wishful thinking folks. This is not hope. But we, again, we want security in this world. If we, and it becomes something that we do. It becomes something around progress. It becomes this notion that I have to do these things to create a utopia on earth, essentially. And so it's saying that life isn't perfect right now, but it can be one day. And that's all that humans exist for is to create that perfect life. You wanted to say something? Yeah, and it's 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 the desire to take hope into your own hands that like you have to fulfill your hope, um, right? And so it Which once is again the limits opposite the theological virtue. Yeah, right. And that um, and that that is um, 
that is the um, that is the complete opposite of a theological virtue. It becomes almost like a a, a theological vice. Yeah. Um, and that's um, that's dangerous because hope always has this kind of expectation that you're going to receive what isn't fulfilled yet, and, and so. That's all. It's also why we get burned, and we don't learn our lessons from this. Yeah, right. Why am I burned? Well, because I put my hope in the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I put my hope in the wrong thing. It's always about this one lesson over and over again. There's only one place to place your hope in that which is certain, which is Jesus Christ. Right. So secularism has kind of ri- so the notion of hope itself is again so much of what modernity presents is actually Christian notions twisted and reduced to this world. And so we believe that hope, at least in the more popular mindset, we believe that hope is creating a better world. But again, like you said, it's something we do. It's not God's initiative in us. It's funny. See the, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead uh, go so ahead. this can happen in like really subtle ways. Thinking back on that retreat, you know, a lot of these kids had a deep experience of Jesus Christ. And I was asking a lot of them, like, what do you want out of this retreat after they were, you know, a day or two in? And uh, a lot of them said, like, I want to give my life to Jesus completely. I never want to fall back again. I don't want to um, go back to my old life. Like, I want to be able to, like, do this once and for all. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I get there's, there's a hint of a good desire there, mm-hmm. but you're placing your hope in your actions. Exactly. And not in the fact that, like, Jesus is Savior. It's, right. it's yeah, like, like it's so close because it's, it's just it, the closer you get to like the really important things, if you're off by like a millimeter, um, see, I used, I used a millimeter you. for you. Thank you. I appreciate this. Like you get, you, you're shot off course really far. And this is when yeah. people get really burned. Like, thought, like I had this retreat, I gave my life to Jesus and now I'm back to my old life and they get destroyed by it and not realizing that, you know, while there was a good intention there, their hope ultimately was being placed in them and yeah. not in Christ who loves the sinner who brings back the fallen. And it's mm-hmm. just, uh, that stuff can be really tricky in the spiritual life. It can. And it's like, and I know it's, it's hard for people to get to, because every theological virtue is emphasizes being overdoing mm-hmm. and being is to receive. Yes. <laughs> right. And that's your action. Your action is receptivity. Which means place, so giving the time and space, like, so how do you build up hope? Essentially, it's giving the time and space for God to speak to you mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be with him and just to be with him. Because hope is, so like kind of getting to, uh, maybe, and I just realized, maybe I should give a catechism definition here just so we can all sure. be on the same footing so I don't get too kind of abstract. Um, yeah. So I'm going to read just a couple things from the, the catechism here. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. So it's saying that is our goal, okay? But that, but also the kingdom of God is within you, mm-hmm. right? Which means then that it's already happening. Yeah. So hope is already, this is the thing, this is the difference between Christian hope. It's actually already being fulfilled. It's just not fulfilled in its fullness. Yeah. It's, it's, eternity is not just a future. It's already a present, because every because Christ is eternity made made flesh in time. So I desire the kingdom of heaven, not just in the future, but today. Mm. 
And that when I start to desire this today and act on those desires today, by receiving that desire from God, by giving him that time, that priority of prayer, et cetera, I'm actually building up my hope to recognize his presence. Because like for me, this is actually always the simplest definition of, 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 of hope is hope is recognizing Christ's presence. Hmm. I don't think, like, I think it's a very, it's a very simple way because it's a presence that is a goal for me. He's in heaven. He's with the father. That is my end goal, but he's also a presence here now. And he's also been a presence in my life. This is the enduring thing. So that when I lend you that money and you pay me back, what that's now an act of Christian charity that now has an enduring quality because it's in Christ. He was there in all those actions. I've experienced his presence. And you also see in this too, that all the theological virtues intertwine with each other. Yeah. This is why Pope Benedict spent so much time. He wanted to, to give three encyclicals on the, the theological virtues because he sees them as so vital for today. Anyways, mm-hmm. so hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. And citing a scripture, let us hold fast to the, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The Holy Spirit, he poured upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. So the virtue of hope responds to the aspirations to happiness, which God has placed in the heart of every human man. So that's our desire. Mm-hmm. It takes up the hope that inspires man's activities and purifies them so as to order them to the kingdom of heaven. It keeps man from discouragement. It sustains him during times of abandonment. It opens up his heart in expectation of eternal beatitude. Buoyed up by hope, he is preserved from selfishness and led to the happiness that flows from charity. And there's more stuff there. I'm not going to go into all of it there. But mm-hmm. um, that's like, it's a great summary of what hope is for the Christian. And if you remember, the kingdom of heaven is not just, Jesus is the kingdom. <laughs> yes. Right? So, and where is that kingdom most profoundly present for us? Actually, it's at the mass. Mm-hmm. The mass is where Christ becomes present, and there our hope is fulfilled. So the mass is the training ground for heaven. Yes. And it t- keeps you from discouragement. Like, it, notice how it talks about hope. It, it encourages you in times of abandonment. It's not saying that you're going to feel good in the times of abandonment. It's just that it says it helps you endure it. Like I'll give you an example for myself is like earlier in the year when we were, we, we kind of took a break from the podcast. I was going through what my doctor called like a situational depression. Yeah. It was hard to pray. It was hard to get active in life. It was hard to find, it was hard to do things each day. But one thing I said to myself each and every day was Jesus, I know you are here. Mm. I know. And I, I never lost hope. Because I know I have a God who's not just entered my humanity, but he's even entered death. He's entered nothingness. He's entered despair. He's there in all these things. It doesn't make me feel better in the moment. It's not meant to. But it's uniting this moment with him that now he's giving this moment something that endures and is valuable, which now, this is the beautiful thing, starts to transform our suffering into seeing it as a gift. Mm-hmm. Not in the moment, but later on. And even can become the means by which our sin is transformed as to be seen as even though we've done these things against God, God uses them for good because Christ has to be present in sin, not that he, like, he enters into sin. He knew no sin became sin for us, 
When we go to confession, he's entering into our sin to take it upon himself. He's there. He's not far away. And this is why, like, so for example, we say, oh, I've done this sin a billion times. God can't forgive me. It, it's a sign that we need to be purified in hope. Mm-hmm. He's there. And for me, this has always been a very easy, if you will, kind of virtue to... Um, Theolo- this has been my easiest theological virtue to live personally. Mm-hmm. But it's not optimism. It never is meant to be. Op- hope is not optimism. Hope is the recognition that Christ is here. Yeah. And that Christ is leading me to my final goal. You said something, and I think you m- misspoke slightly, or okay. at the very least, it opens us up for. You said hope is fulfilled in the Mass. And I want to say, sort of. Yeah. Uh, right. Because I, I think I know what you what you mean. Uh, because okay, so in the mass we have an experience of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Sure. Because Christ is there, and it's. I like how you said it's the training ground of hope, because in the mass Christ promises to us again the resurrection, and that promise is in the giving of Himself on the cross mm-hmm. and the giving of Himself to us in the Eucharist. It's mm-hmm. like a re-promising. It's a taste. Yeah. Uh, it's more proof that right. hope will be fulfilled. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. I, I probably does, I did misspeak there um, because, I mean, it, I guess it's a both and. Yes. Right? It is kind of fulfilled because yes. hope is where Christ is. Exactly, right? yeah. Uh, where Christ is, there's your hope fulfilled, right? Exactly. But because we are fallen in this fallen world and, and even the sacraments too will come to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is also a to be, it's not in its, everything is not in its fullness yet because right. Christ has not come again. He has not brought all sin and death to an end. The sacraments are part of this age, this final age mm-hmm. of the church. And so, but yeah, I think that, but I think at the same time, yes, the, the mass really is the training ground of hope. It's, and this is really what Advent's all about. Oh, right. Yeah. A little, a little, a little, a little, a little bring it to, to Advent here, right? Advent is the training ground of hope. It's the place where the two comings of Christ come together. Yes. Because it, it's all about Christ. It's all about God coming among us. Yes. I've written something for Simply Catholic on this, and it'll come out in a few weeks, I think. But it's, it's, it's not about, again, it's not about this future goal always. It is that too. Right. But that future goal is only something that is desirable because we've already experienced its promises and, and it hints of its fulfillment here. Yes. Which is beautiful because then hope now becomes something that actually helps us live more intensely this life. It becomes the main scourge of acedia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it also helps us throw ourselves into this world more. Because if Christ has taken on our human nature, eternity has entered into time and creation. Not that they're the same thing. But that what is passing now has that possibility to endure, which means I can find Christ. I can find what endures, not in in running away from things and in or or distracting myself with busyness, which is acedia, mm-hmm. but it's choosing the reality that's in front of me, because that's where Christ has placed me, and that's where Christ wants me to encounter Him. And the more I trust this, the more I build up my hope as the place of encounter with Christ. So it's really, because here's the thing, I think this is the really interesting thing around hope. When we deny hope, we actually deny the incarnation. Mm. It's a Gnosticism to think of hope as this pure future and re- and ignore its the presence of Christ today. Yeah, Hope is about, is something that builds us up today for the future, 
that we train in over life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so is that good enough to get to the young adult group? Uh, I think that'll do it. That'll do it. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love the, th- I'm loving the theological virtues, man. They're, they are, they're important. I agree. They are important. So yeah, in two weeks I'll do, I'll do, might as well just do one on love. We'll just finish it off. Nice. And uh, yeah. Cool. So cool. Well, th- cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, do you have the script in front of you? Yeah. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me uh, taking another nap. <laughs> you can find me at Fr Harrison on Twitter, and then also phoning Father Anthony trying to wake him up from his nap. I know. Actually, I missed a few calls during my nap. I need to take care of that like right now. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. If you'd like to support what we do, check out our Patreon. All money goes to our producers who make the podcast happen, to uh, equipment so to make the podcast happen. Uh, any money that's raised beyond those needs goes to the uh, Daughters of St. Paul. God bless. Peace.